Are We There Yet? Women, Position, and Power. We're here today with Jen Schaefers, the Executive Director of the CKNW Orphans Fund, for another in this fascinating series of interviews. Um, so I want to start off, first of all, by thanking you so much for making the time to be with us today, Jen. Oh, such an honor, especially considering the woman that you've had uh, featured so far. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> I think, uh, I, as I'm sure we'll discover through the interview, you're uh, perfect candidate for this series. Um, and one of the inter- in, uh, reasons I was interested in interviewing you is because you're, you know, you're a little younger than some of the other um, candidates and a different stage of your career, and I think can speak to these um, issues with a bit of a different perspective that I know I'm going to find fascinating, and I'm sure our readers and listeners will, well, will as well. So thanks again. Mm-hmm. So um, let's start off with you um, just telling us a little bit about your journey and how you got to where you are. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't say I followed a traditional path. Uh, I, you know, like a lot of people in their careers, I tried out different things. And I found that, you know, I was actually pretty good at a lot of different things. And so it was kind of difficult to find, you know, well, what am I better at than, you know, than others. So I I held a variety of jobs in the hospitality industry and hotels, working in hotels, you know, as well as then I started a bit of a journey into sports marketing and uh, worked extensively with IntraWest and uh, Canuck Sports and Entertainment, and then Sport BC uh, in a variety of marketing roles. Uh, when I left Sport BC, I was the director of marketing communications there, and I really thought I was going to sort of stay in sport. Um, but you know, I started taking on the side uh, larger sort of volunteer roles with a lot of different children's charities in the Lower Mainland, uh, including BC Children's Hospital Foundation, Canuck Place, Ronald McDonald House, and I found that you know I was volunteering. I was often doing twenty hours a week uh, just volunteering for these organizations and it sort of twigged at me you know why aren't I working in nonprofit full-time it certainly aligns with my values and what I'm passionate about so uh, you know the opportunity came up with the CKNW Orphans Fund as their executive director uh, through a recruitment firm and it was just sort of the perfect time and the perfect position with a small fund using you know a lot of my corporate marketing and uh, you know background communications background and and uh, fundraising from a volunteer perspective. So uh, that's where it sort of led me to where I am right now. And how long have you been there? Uh, just three years, almost three years. Yeah, so still a short period of time in nonprofit. Okay. Um, now, how has gender, the fact that you are a woman, mm-hmm. affected your career progression? Do you think it's helped, hindered, or both? And if so, how? You know, I've read the statistics like everybody else that, um, you know, women aren't faring as well in executive positions and on, in corporate boards. Uh, and I have to say, although I've seen it, I necessarily, I don't feel like it's impacted my career negatively to date. Perhaps it has, and I'm not even just aware of it. I think sometimes that happens. Maybe boardroom conversations happen that I weren't privy to. But, you know, I've seemed to progress along uh, on a good career path. Um, You know, when I worked in sports sports marketing, particularly in hockey, you know, while there there was a lot of women in mid-management roles, um, there was very few at the senior executive level. You know, on our senior leadership team, there was only one woman in sort of uh, 10 to 15 males. And so... 
you know, as a role model within that organization, I kind of maybe saw my ability to advance in that environment quite as quite limited. Uh, I really believe in that quote that I uh, heard from misrepresentation, you can't be what you can't see. And, um, you know, I felt from, from that perspective and maybe from, you know, a values perspective, you know, which is why I, I sort of left the Canucks uh, and, you know, kind of sports marketing in general, um, and really my attraction to, to, to nonprofit. Um, you know, I feel at that point in my career, it was really about my values and, you know, family values and, uh, you know, personal values around charitable charities and charitable giving. And I really feel that if you are aligned with your values, both personally and professionally, you can kind of never make a wrong decision. You know, it always feels right. So... Yeah, haven't haven't experienced it too much at this point, um, you know. But uh, you certainly know that it, it's out there and very pervasive. Okay. Um, in June 2011, I presented the closing keynote for the Wealth Academy for Women, and my topic was women in power. As part of my preparation, I googled women in power, and here is the first quote that came up. Powerful women are either sexually voracious rulers like Catherine the Great or Elizabeth I, or treacherous bitches like Cleopatra or Helen of Troy. Now, you are a woman in a position of power, and it'd be great if you could share your thoughts on the reality of being a woman in a position of power, given the stereotypes and biases that are out there. What tips might you have for young women who are contemplating working their way up the corporate power hierarchy? I have to laugh at <laughs> And I wasn't surprised though, right? You know, I think sadly these perceptions still exist to date and I think they're very prevalent in the media, you know, whenever, uh, you know, a, you know, a high ranking female political figure, they're often, you know, called the most negative, uh, you know, words around leadership as possible or always the negative connotation. Um, and I was recently at a women's executive network breakfast and it was all about leaning in and Cheryl Sandberg. And uh, one of the research points was that, you know, the more successful a woman is, the least likable she is. Mm -hmm. And that made me really sad. Um, not, you know, especially for my daughter, who's, you know, four and a half years old. And I, I really hope that she's going to grow up to be sort of a strong leader herself. Uh, I know when I was younger, you know, I was often the one called, you know, bossy or, and I, I you know, I was very aware early on in my life that, um, you know, sometimes that's just not, it, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't accepted. It wasn't liked, um, I was aware of that. I remember being aware of that as, as a young age. Uh, and I don't necessarily think I knew it was because I was a girl. Um, I'm thankful that I had parents that, you know, built up my confidence and, and you know, kind of told me I could be anything I wanted to be and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, but, I mean, I guess some of the things that I, you know, would recommend for young women, I, I don't really think there's some evident solution to this, you know, this kind of perception and this problem. Uh, I think that you need to feel authentic sort of in who you are and how you lead. Um, and, you know, I would really encourage women to define what's important to them, which will hopefully sh shape their leadership style. You know, some tips I would provide to young women, you know, build a supportive network of like-minded men and women. 
um, both senior and peers, have a mentor, you know, get involved in women's leadership organizations. Like there's so many out there. There's the Minerva Foundation for BC Women, uh, the Women's Leadership Circle, the Women's Executive Network. I'm also, you know, don't perpetuate the stereotypes that are out there of women who don't support other women. So don't gossip in the workplace and don't play into that. Um, and, uh, I also say, you know, dress for success. That kind of that kind of goes into the sexuality sort of comment. I think yeah. a lot of young women are learning from the media that that's a way in which they can attain power, but it's not true power, right. you know. And so, and and you know how you dress and how you are perceived is often reality, right? So um, always being professional and uh, dressing professionally. And, um, you know, trying to avoid to use your sexuality to attain, you know, advancements in the workplace. Uh, I think a lot of young girls are getting the wrong messages nowadays from the media that that works. Yeah. Uh, in the long run, it doesn't. No, I would totally agree. <laughs> but I certainly think that awareness is key because so many young people, as you're saying, just they see it and mm-hmm. they don't have that sort of, oh, is, is this really what I should be doing? Mm-hmm. And unless others are giving them that feedback, they're, they're not going to know. So that's yeah. great advice. Definitely. Um, now, research clearly supports that having children is a career liability for women that are interested in making it to the C-suite. And I'm wondering how you feel about this reality. What has your experience been around this issue? And what thoughts do you have about how to address this issue so that the playing field can truly be equalized? Or do you think that it's even possible to have a truly equalized playing field? Good question. Uh, I would have to say I completely understand it. Uh, I have been hesitant to take on larger leadership roles, you know, as a result of the fact that I have two young children, you know. Um, You know, working at a senior level, managing the household, sitting on boards, doing volunteer work, you know, networking and keeping your relationships sound can really feel like a grind a Mm -hmm. lot of the time. Uh, and you know, so many women I know have exited their careers, uh, at the point when they're just about to take off because it's just been all too mentally and physically exhausting and they've had to redefine sort of what that means to them, um, and, and how they find that, you know, balance or whatever kind of word that, you know, you want to call it. Um, you know, I think that trying to do it all, uh, especially when you have really young children, can be very uh, all-consuming. And, you know, I think having support, asking for help, um, really having hard conversations with your spouse or if you're, if, you know, if you're in a relationship with someone about what they're going to take on and what you're going to take on. And that has certainly worked for my husband and I. Uh, you know, we have redefined in our relationship, you know, what a household sort of looks like. And it's not that traditional household that perhaps he grew up in. I didn't really grow up in a traditional household. But, you know, a lot of people have these things in their mind, this is how it operates, you know, and it's changed so much. And, and so I think you have to be open to having some of those hard conversations um, and having that sort of support and, you know, and ensuring that you're communicating, you know, with your boss or that you, if you're going into a workplace that you are set up for success, you know, that they know that it's important for you to be off at certain times of the year. You know, my daughter is tradition transitioning 
beginning into kindergarten in September and it's like a gradual transition. I know I'm probably going to have to take a little bit of time off then. So I'll be proactive and ensure that, you know, my superiors know that and they know why and that I'll make up the time, you know. That's the great thing about nowadays is a lot of offices are adapting to more flexible workspaces. And so it's not necessarily, um, you know, the you know the time spent in the office but how much you're achieving sort of overall like I do a lot of work at night you know when my kids are in bed and I can be incredibly focused at, during that time right. so um yeah it's it's a moving target I think okay yeah now if you wouldn't mind sharing with us so you said you kind of renegotiated what would be sort of the traditional uh, sort of idea of how things work do you have any things that you'd be willing to share with us in terms of how you've ne- renegotiated that uh yeah, you know what? Um, my my husband, who is lovely and so supportive of my career, uh, you know, grew up in a very traditional household where dad worked and mom stayed home and took care of everything. Right. And so I think that early on in our relationship, that was kind of the plan as well. But then all of a sudden, I really loved working and I loved what I did because I was really starting my career at the very beginning when mm-hmm. we first met. So right. we changed a lot during that time. Uh, and so things that we discussed were, you know, um, okay, domestic, domestic chores, right? Um, you know, what's a pink job? What's a blue job? Kind of trying to throw those out the window and say, in the scheme of things, here's everything that needs to get accomplished on a weekly basis. Uh, every Sunday night, we sit down and we go through our calendar for the next week and we sort of say, okay, who's on pickup? Who's on drop off? Who's got something on at night? Um, you know, what dinners do we have to make? Meal planning. It's really all based around communication. And so we have gotten much clearer on our communication and not just assume that the other person knows. Right. Um, and that's been a tremendous help to how our household sort of runs and operates. And if one of us is feeling overwhelmed, uh, or that we're having, you know, a crazy week, we're willing to open up and be vulnerable and share that with the other person um, because that support is so vital, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the kids are so young and everything needs to, they're so physical, everything needs to be right. kind of done for them, right? <laughs> so, yeah, really open communication and supportive and, and knowing when to bend and, you know, when you might have to step it up and when they might have to, um so that yeah that's been like we're married for eight years now so that's Mm -hmm. been over the last sort of five years since we've had children so it's been great it's really strengthened our relationship and those can sometimes be scary conversations to have yeah definitely and very vulnerable conversations Mm -hmm. right but I think that's when you have you know being vulnerable gives you the most opportunity for growth I think you know uh and it's really worked for us great thank you (laughs) Okay, as you know, I spend a lot of my time dealing with issues of disrespect like bullying and harassment in the workplace. And the statistics are that women are overwhelmingly targeted in these kinds of complaints, um, 60% and more. Uh, And when it comes to bullying, the other troubling statistic is that um, women, when they choose to engage in disrespectful behavior, overwhelmingly target other women. Uh, and this, ex- this relates back to the dynamic of power that we were talking about earlier. And I'm curious as to your experience with these kinds of issues of bullying and harassment at work and what ideas you might have about how to shift this reality for women at work. Mm-hmm. This is a big one. Mm. Uh, I always go back to the Madeleine Albright quote, there's a special place <laughs> in hell for women who don't help other women. You know... 
this is a big one. You know, I think fundamentally women have a lot of self-worth issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, you know, I've not been immune to that myself. I think, you know, we've all experienced some form of that. Um, but I think when other women, you know, gossip or judge or bully or unsupportive in the workplace or outside of the workplace, you know, it's usually due to their own issues, right? Yeah. Something that they're dealing with that they feel... Uh, they can't overcome or there's it's shame based. And so, um, you know, when, and I've learned this from Brene Brown, who I read a lot of her, um, she's a shame researcher Mm -hmm. and a lot of people that are in shame, uh, use their power to exert over other people because they feel quite powerless. Right. I think if you're a happy, confident person, you know, that you, you know, why would you choose to bring other people down? Mm -hmm. Um, and you can claim that you are, but if you're exerting, you know, those types of behaviors, it's pretty evident that you're not, right? Um, you know, I think the media also play a huge role in this. Oh. And, uh, you know, if you watch reality TV at all, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to see a lot of, you're not going to see a lot of women supporting other women, That's right? True. That's you true. You know, I think it portrays a brutal stereotype of how, uh, you know, how women might be. And I think a lot of young girls are, you know, consuming this form of media and, and, and entering into the workplace, they actually think that's acceptable and how things are, but really it's not, you know, I think we're all being a little bit manipulated. Um, you know, so I mean, I certainly choose myself not to engage in those types of behaviors in the workplace or personally. And I think it's easy to pass judgment on people. So I really notice if I'm going to and understanding really where, where is that coming from? You know, if, if, if a beautiful woman walks by in a gorgeous dress and my first thought is negative towards her and not towards not positive, I think, okay, there's something that's my issue on that. Nothing to do with her. Right. And it's probably because maybe I'm not feeling great about myself that Mm -hmm. day, you know? So I certainly don't participate in any forms of that. And I wouldn't hang out with women that do. Um, and at this point in my life, I've been able to step away from sort of any of that like negativity and toxic environment. It certainly isn't pervasive in my workplace at all, but I do have a small team. Um, but I, you know, I would really encourage women that if they see that happening or they hear about it happening in the workplace to one, not ignore it because the whole bystander thing is mm-hmm. just as bad as as sometimes doing it, you know, providing support to maybe that person who is a victim, or if you're feeling comfortable in the situation, you know, addressing the person who might be doing it and saying, you know, that's not the type of environment and work environment that we support here, you know, maybe finding out what's going on with them, because maybe there is some stuff going on with them. Um, You know, we run the CKW Orphans Fund actually run the pink shirt day campaign in the province of BC. And it's all directly around this, you know, issue of bullying, right. And and the bystanders involvement in that. So I think standing up for what you believe in and, and not participating in any form of it, you know, if someone comes into your office and is starting to kind of gossip about someone, Mm -hmm. like really try and nip that in the bud and, and, and not participate and sort of pull out of that and, and just try and be more positive. Now, you say you have a small team. Are there any things that you've consciously done as you've been looking to build your team to ensure that, because you said you don't have these kinds of things, so yeah. are there any things that you've consciously done to uh, to create respect as opposed to disrespect? I think I talk about it a lot, and okay. I try and lead by example. Right. Uh, 
you know, I, I wouldn't engage in those types of conversations with my staff. Mm -hmm. We're usually quite focused on work and, and we we are a small team and and we, as much as we work collaboratively, we're quite independent as well in terms of what we each sort of have to do. Um, yeah, I've been in environments though, toxic environments like that in the past. And I think I was too young to kind of know any better. Um, right. and I've made, I made the decision a couple of years ago and I was actually watching misrepresentation. Mm-hmm. I stopped reading any of those terrible magazines, <laughs> like any magazines that terror other women down or are negative. Um, I stopped watching reality TV, especially the shows that were like, I was the biggest fan of the bachelor and the bachelorette. Um, and so stopped watching all of that. Okay, Great. So um, our last uh, question has to do with advice you might give if you were going to speak to a group of male CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. What would you say to them around the topic of women, position, power? Um, And again, if you were going to speak to a group of ambitious Gen Y women, what might you say to them around this topic? Well, men are usually quite to the point, and uh, so I would I would definitely share with them the research that's out there that really proves that women in senior leadership roles in company are their organizations are more profitable than those that don't have them. And there's a lot of research to show, um, you know, from Forbes that uh, these organizations are more successful due to the you know collaborative nature that women often bring to an organization. Um, you know, a lot of organizations require diversity and balance, and it, it feels like a no-brainer in this day and age, but uh, I would just point to the numbers. Most mm-hmm. of the time, uh, you know, from a, a male executive, um, you know, position that it would be about the numbers mm-hmm. and, you know, how having a more diverse collaborative workplace, which women certainly help uh, bring um, that in the long t- in the long term that the organization can be more successful and more profitable as a result of that. Right. Yeah. Um, and then with regards to uh, the Gen Y women, I mean, I have spoken to a lot of Gen and I do mentor a lot of young women uh, just kind of starting off in their careers. Mm-hmm. Um, around, you know, specifically around this topic, you know, I think a lot of young women are just sort of figuring out who they are. And right. I think that they, a lot of the times, they just don't have the confidence. Um, and so, you know, a lot of young women that I see are so incredibly articulate and, you know, well-spoken and they bring so much to the table. I don't think they, they understand the value in that just yet. Mm -hmm. And so I've given them a lot of advice, just, you know, hold your ground, um, and feel confident in that and try and stay as true to yourself as possible, you know, authenticity and, and knowing who you are, knowing what's important to you. Uh, and if you're in a situation where it is a bad situation and you are able to remove yourself from it, then do, because there are plenty of companies out there now that have very positive corporate cultures that are incredibly supportive of, you know, moving women into leadership roles and are quite open about that, that that's important to their organization. I I feel like there's, you know, enough opportunities out there that not to stay in a career that you feel you you are not going to be able to progress in or an environment that you can't progress 
lesson. Um, and you know, I'm a big fan of mentorship, mm -hmm. surrounding yourself with people that can help elevate you, bring you up, um, a good network, building that early on in your career and, you know, being strategic about it and being genuine about it. Um, and you know, I am a big fan of reading as well. There's a lot mm -hmm. of really wonderful books out there on this subject. So continuing that thirst for personal and professional involvement. Uh, you know, I recently read how remarkable women lead, um, you know, Brene Brown's Gifts of Imperfection is also a really great book. I think a lot of women, young women, put an extraordinary amount of pressure on themselves very yes. early on in their career. And so, and I'm still learning that, mm -hmm. um, that I don't have to achieve all right now, that we have a long runway in our career. And that if we are, you know, true to ourselves and kind and and we work smart and we're driven, I think that, you know, we will, you know, determine our own success in that area. Great. Yeah. Yeah, that is a lifelong learning for I sure. know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for making the time to be with us today. I know that I've learned a lot and always find these fascinating. So thank you, and I'm sure our readers and listeners will as well. Thanks again. Thank you very much, Erica.